Welcome to the Life's Hard Succeed Anyway podcast, where you will hear transformational stories, positive encouragement, and practical strategies to help you grow your mindset, reach your potential, live your dreams, and experience a purpose-driven, impact-filled life. Here's your host, Alan Blaine. All right, this is Alan Blaine, and I'm very excited to bring our special guest today, Joyce Sanders. Joyce Martin Sanders is one-third of the award-winning gospel trio, The Martins. The siblings have been making music together since she was 10 years old, and she has penned many of their hit songs through the years. Joyce is married to Paul Sanders, a singer-songwriting musician, currently a member of the country band Shenandoah, where he plays bass and sings harmony. She has two children. Trey is 23 and lives and works in Nashville, only a few miles from his mom. And May is her 20-year-old daughter. She has, am I saying this right, Angelman syndrome, I believe? That's right. And is the happiest girl you will ever meet. Singing <laughs> and songwriting is what Joyce does. Sharing her life with transparency is her passion. And her story of brokenness and restoration encourages thousands on social media and from stage. She keeps it real, which I love, and points the way out of despair with an admonishing heart. Joyce, welcome to the Life's Hard Succeed Anyway podcast. Thank you. That makes me cry, especially that last paragraph, because it really is my passion to be another voice in people's lives that reminds them that the bad stuff does not define you. I should back that up. It kind of does define you how you handle it because it takes the good and the bad, the ugly, the easy, the hard, all of it to make you the person that you are. That's my story is like putting it all in the same cup and letting God mix a little grace and mercy in there. And then it comes out as me. I love it. I'm really grateful. I'm grateful for an opportunity to be able to just be a little sunshine in people's lives because life is so hard. It is. And that is the idea behind the whole podcast is bringing stories to light like yours. And the more I learn and the more I grow and the more people I meet, I realize my story of hard and your story of hard, it's not super, super unique to life. Right. I mean, everybody has their own version of hard. And that was the idea behind the podcast is to get to have people like you come on and share your story who is obviously having great success in life in a variety of ways. You know, I talked about in episode one, what is my definition of success? And it's so much more than just professional success, which you've had and continue to have plenty of, but success in so many other ways. It's funny, you know, I don't know if you remember how we met. I do. I thought about it today. <laughs> but was it the CMAs that night? I, I think you had just come from somewhere and we just happened to be downtown on a date night. Downtown Nashville. I was thinking about it today when me and Paul saw you guys. Y'all have this magnetism. You do. The two of you do. Separately, you do. But together, you guys are just like little magnets. And so we were drawn to you guys, your smiles and your friendliness. And so we knew that that's some special folks right there. I'll never forget it. Well, that's exactly how we felt about you and uh, felt so special to have you showing us around the the locals, <laughs> you know, showing around the new people because we had just moved to, to Nashville, I think, weeks before that, probably. That's so, right. Yeah, I don't even you. think you guys had your new house. I have shared a little bit about who you are, Joyce, but I know that's just scratching the surface. Could we start by you just giving everyone a 30,000 foot view of maybe even all the way back to childhood and how you got to where you are today, kind of the Cliff Notes version of your story, if you will. Sure, absolutely. So I'm the firstborn 
of three children. Our mom and dad raised us back on a truck patch farm in Arkansas, rural Arkansas. Our dad moved us into this little house. I was in kindergarten and moved us into the little house that he was raised in on this little 40, 50 acre farm. It had no electricity. It had no running water. And he moved us back there like the pioneer days. We didn't know any different. We just thought we were camping out full time. I can't imagine being my mom with three little kids with no electricity and no running water, but she's a trooper man. She's a warrior. And so that's where we lived three and a half years in that little house. It had cracks in the walls and the floors. You could see the daylight through the cracks. It was cold in the winter and smoldering hot in the summer. And it was there in that little house that we started singing together. We didn't have a television. The only radio we had was, it was a car radio that my dad had hooked to a car battery and it sat on the little shelf above the wood pile. So he would hook it to that battery and we could only listen to the Friday Night Frolic, the Grand Old Opry, Paul Harvey. (laughs) And that was our musical influence was the Grand Old Opry and the music our mom would sing around the house. And she sang church songs mainly. And so we went to a little church and mom would teach us songs to sing for special music at church. She sings alto. She taught us to sing harmony. So we were three little kids, kind of a novelty thing. Three little kids that were singing three-part harmony. We sang in our little church and other little churches around. And the circle kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger where we would sing. And when I was in high school, we were traveling enough doing our little Martin kids thing that the school was going to have to hold us back because we were missing too many days of school. And so that was way before homeschooling was a thing. And mom and dad were like, we can either stop traveling as much and you guys can keep going to school or we can try to do some kind of homeschooling thing. And that's what we chose to do. They let us choose. And that summer between my junior year and my senior year, we made the decision as a family that we would homeschool. And we took the Abeka classes from Florida and finished school that way and just recorded our first record that turned into, I don't know, 15 or 20 records we've done now. And the career part of what we did was a slow, steady thing. And this part of the story is just like, I can tell it really quick. We had a lot of success. We wrote a lot of our songs. We met Bill Gaither and was able to share the stage with him, which elevated our musical career bigger than we could have ever dreamed. We were singing in front of hundreds of thousands of people every year, making really good money, loving our life. And then my life fell apart. And I was not prepared, Alan. I had stood on a stage all of my life And it told people that when trouble comes, to roll it over on Jesus and to trust him and to let him take care of you. And when my life fell apart, I did not do very well. My heart was broken. I felt betrayed and hurt. And as my marriage was crumbling, my emotional self fell apart. And I got mad. I got mad because I felt like I deserved better because I'd done everything right. I was the good little Christian girl. I had given my life to full-time music, Christian music service. And so I got so mad and I walked out the door. I walked out the door 
and left my marriage, left both of my children and moved to Nashville. And I slept on couches and tried to find work to do. I didn't want to sing anymore. I didn't have anything to say. I was in a bad way. I never did drugs, but I think that it's probably because my friends weren't doing drugs because everything else they were doing, I was doing. And I tried to do anything and everything I could do to try to silence God's call on my life and to just get some type of joy, happiness, fun, all those things that were distracting me from how empty and how hurt that I was and angry. I was so angry for so long. Joyce, how long was that season? It was at least three years of me being like in a bad, bad way. I mean, it's a miracle that I'm not dead or in prison. And I met Paul, my husband, right in the middle of all that yucky stuff. And he was the catalyst for me to start reevaluating my life. Because when he met me, he only knew me from the Martins. He didn't know me personally. And so he knew this Christian girl that was confident and believed God's word and it had it all together or appeared to. Right. And he saw me dying. And so he was the only friend that called me to the mat about some things that I was doing and said, listen, you're going to die. You're going to die. You're going to get hurt. You're going to hurt other people. You've got to stop doing these things. You've got to turn this thing around or it's done. Some of it was, I think, me wanting to please him because I really loved him. But the other was, I know God just breathed on that relationship and brought him into my life to kind of get my attention. And at the same time, I had a mama who was praying and a daddy, bless my daddy's heart. He was praying too. He had to go to therapy over me. My brother and my sister who were heartbroken, but were just giving me my space and hoping that I would turn my life around at some point. And through a few little turn of events that I won't go into, we sang together in Nashville for a friend of ours that asked us to come sing a song. I didn't want to. You hadn't been singing for those three years or whatever that time frame was. No. Were they singing without you? They did. Some of our friends would fill in for me. They had actually hired a girl to take my place and to record a new album for the Martins. And at the last minute before she put her vocal on that record, she came to them and said, y'all, this doesn't feel right. Joyce is supposed to be here. And I know she's not here now, but I can't do this. Crazy. Okay. And we we stood on the stage and they were going to pay me. So I said, I'll come. I'm not saying anything. I'm not talking to anybody, but I'll come and sing. So I sang that one song and it wasn't like a road to Damascus. Oh, and all of a sudden I was better. But it was that little uh, something happened when I stood on the stage with them and sang an acapella song with my brother, and my sister. And so then we started singing a few dates, a few dates, and I got back on the road, still very unhealthy, spiritually and emotionally. But I began that slow walk back to Jesus, slow walk back to health. And then, of course, with Paul's influence in my life, God just kept giving me those little glimpses of hope and peace. And I wanted more of it. I wanted to feel that joy. I wanted to feel that peace. I wanted to be that girl that I used to be. And I'll never be that girl again, but I am in such a sweet place. 
And it has been amazing how I know, Alan, I know without a doubt that if none of that had ever happened and my life had never taken those turns, God would have still used me. God would have still blessed me. I would still be happy. But the richness in my life right now is only because I had to go through that stuff to appreciate what I've got now. And to always have something to look back at and say, I don't want to ever be there again. So my choices are better. And I strain those through that little lens that only those hard times and that experience will give you. It blows my mind how God uses all the yucky stuff to bring you to a place of gratefulness and a place of power and empowerment. A lot of Christian people don't want to talk about you having empowerment because we have to be less when he is more. But I believe that God wants us to be strong and mighty. And I could not be as strong as I am now if I hadn't walked through all that stuff. That's the truth. I can see that in your life and my life and others (laughs) and and the trials that we've been through and they grow us and stretch us. And, and that wasn't the only challenge you've been through. I know you were sharing with me as well. I mean, the time doesn't allow for probably every challenge we've all been through in our life or we'd be here for hours, but I know you you're also raising a special needs daughter. Who's how old now is she? She's 20, 20 years old. She'll be 21 in May and May she was, oh my goodness. She had not been diagnosed with Angelman syndrome when I left. We knew there wasn't, something wasn't right, but we did not have all the answers yet. And so she was diagnosed after I left my marriage and left her. So all that, going to the doctor, getting the diagnosis, all those things, I was never a part of that. I saw my children sporadically throughout the year, but after my divorce, I did not ever have like them for a big chunk of time. Trey was easier for me because he could go on a trip with me. I mean, he would go on a cruise with me or he would go to a long trip or we'd take vacations together. But May, I didn't feel comfortable because I didn't know how to be with a special needs child. I know that's really sad and weird, but that was my life. And so I would see her and have her for maybe a week to 10 days at a time but never an extended period of time. And as I got healthier and God was, you know, healing me and I was emotionally and psychologically healthier, my relationship with my children, I felt like was in a healthy place and I was fine. They were happy and cared for. Their dad took excellent care of them. And so I didn't worry about them, but I also had no desire to fight to have them with me all the time. This was my life and that was their life. And every now and then we got it together. And in 2020, when everything shut down, the Martins weren't singing because there was nowhere to go. And I had the entire summer, I had the entire year off. And so their dad asked me, Trey was already living here in Nashville. He went to school here, came here. And our relationship was actually really, really healthy. But May was still my sweet little baby girl that would come see me every now and then. And so her dad said, do you want to just keep her for the summer? And I said, yes, because I did. But I was terrified because I'd never had her for more than a couple of weeks. 
And I thought for the summer, what am I going to do? How am I going to do this? But I wanted to try. And so they packed a bunch of her clothes and her toys. And I brought her to Nashville. Her birthday's May the 9th. And it always falls the weekend of Mother's Day. So I always have her on her birthday. And so that was when she was with me. And then she was going to stay through the end of July. And then she was going to go back home to be with her dad. And in June, the middle of June, I got a phone call and her dad had passed away suddenly from a heart attack. Wow. And I never will forget it because we were eating vanilla wafers and mandarin oranges right here in this living room. And I got the phone call and I walked into her room and I looked at Paul and I was like, well, here we go. And to show you how God took care of me, even in these little subtle ways that most people would just see it as coincidence or whatever. But since she was going to be with me for the entire summer, her dad had sent her insurance card, her birth certificate, her social security card, all the stuff that I needed for her life. I had them with me. I did not have to go down there and get it. I didn't have to call a grieving wife and say, can you send me May's things? I had enough clothes to get through months and months. I didn't have to disrupt anybody else's life. I mean, it was just like God knew ahead of time. He was not surprised by it happening. So I didn't know what I was doing. I started having to do all the legal things with the doctors and the SSI and all the things that I had no idea. There's a family here in Nashville, Reggie and Yolanda Ham. Reggie's a songwriter. I have known him forever. He's written some songs for the Martins and produced some stuff for us and his wife. And they have an angel the exact same age as May. And so they were my first phone call. Well, I'm going to need some help. And they have been unbelievably helpful to me. Yolanda went to the dentist with me, with May, because I'd never taken her to the dentist. Never. What are the symptoms, Joyce, of Angelman syndrome? Just for our listeners and for myself to envision what you're dealing with. What my everyday is. Yeah, your everyday. Angelman syndrome is a lot like many other syndromes. It's a chromosomal thing. And so there's a wide spectrum of abilities and disabilities. May is very high functioning in the sense that she's very mobile. Some angels never walk. She can feed herself. She can pick out her own clothes. She can't really get them on. She has to have a little help with the potty. I have to help to bathe her and things like that. But she's nonverbal, which is the main thing about Angelman that sets it apart from some things. They're vocal. They're able to use their voice, but they don't form words, vocabulary, and language. Most of them can understand what you're saying, but they can't put words together to say it, say what they're thinking or what they need. So some of them can use signs. She has a few signs that she can do, but she can't put sentences together. It's one word kind of things. A few angels have words that they use. It's usually no more than like 10 or 12 words. May has none, no words that she uses, but she gets her point across. (laughs) I bet. The other thing about angels is that they are happy, that they are happy all the time. And the doctor who 
his last name was Angelman. And he's the one who actually found out that it was different than cerebral palsy because it's been misdiagnosed for cerebral palsy and autism, a lot of other disorders and still is being misdiagnosed a lot. I'll be in the mall or at the grocery store or in an airport and I will see a family with an angel and they don't know they have an angel, but I can tell. Most of the time I don't get the chance to talk, but I have asked people before, oh my gosh, what's this sweet baby? You know, what's going on here? And they'll say something and I'm like, I have an angel. And I send them to angelman.org to get all the information they need because getting diagnosed makes a big difference. And so that resource, angelman.org, has been great for me too, the Angelman Syndrome Foundation. And they have helped me a lot with the legal part and just having a community of people that understand what we go through. But we are really blessed because she is mobile and sweet and easy. She's really an easy child. Always happy. I love that. Always happy. I'm telling you, it's hard to be blue in this house because she keeps the sunshine on. I love it. And you know what? God knew exactly what you needed and when you needed it and all that. (laughs) How did Paul handle that news when he found out that was just a couple of years ago, right? Hey, by the way, we're getting a full-time daughter here. It was crazy. When we got together, because we've been married 17 years now. And when we first got together, I had two children and I did not want any more children. And so I'm like, he didn't want children. And that was one of the reasons I was okay with, I can do this. I can get married again. I just didn't want to do the kid thing again. And so he's never wanted to be a father. He loved my kids, but we only had them part-time. And we never talked about me having them full-time. It was never a part of our plan. And so when that happened, I mean, I don't know what he was thinking in his head. I can guess, (laughs) but he has become a daddy is what he has become. He has become something he'd never, ever dreamed he would be, but he is the sweetest, most loving. I mean, it's changed his life. It's been really, really amazing to see the transformation in him and him and May's relationship is just so sweet and fun. I mean, he promises me that she loves him more than she loves me. He is positive of it. I love it. And they are buddies. They are big buddies. Yeah. Well, I love that God's blessed you with an amazing husband and May with an amazing father figure there in him. That's so special. And then it, you didn't stop. You, like you said, you had that in 2020. You had the the challenge with the whole shutdown, the whole music industry. And it wasn't just you. I mean, it was Paul too, I assume, right? Yeah. I mean, you got a two musician family. So our income went to zero. I did a few things like voice lessons, which I don't really enjoy. I don't know why. I like performance training, teaching artists how to, you know, work the stage and plan their sets and things like that. Vocal lessons. I'm always intimidated by that. People want me to be their voice teacher, but I don't know what I'm doing. I mean, people think I do, but I had no formal training. (laughs) I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm a good teacher. I am a teacher at heart. And so I teach from what I know. But I did that to make money. I did voice lessons. I mean, that's about all that I could do. I know you have a very successful direct sales company. When did you start that? Was that around the same time or was that before that point? Okay, here we go again. God knowing what we need. In 2017, 2017, October the 31st, 2017, I was downtown Nashville 
and one of my best girlfriends was signed me up in a direct sales company. I didn't join the company to work the business. I wanted the shampoo. I wanted the shampoo because I heard that it would fix my hair and my hair was in such a mess. It was so broken. And so I wanted this box of shampoo, the cheapest I could get it. And the cheapest was to come in at business level. And so we're on the phone at midnight trying to get the best deal that was ending on October the 31st. And she got me in at midnight. So I get this box of shampoo, fall in love with it, still really don't know about the business side of it, didn't really care, but it really did transform my hair. And I'm just such an honest book. And I was like, holy cow. So I get on Facebook and say, y'all, I have found the fountain of youth for hair. Child, y'all got to try this shampoo. And I wasn't even thinking that I was going to be making money. I was like, y'all, y'all don't think I'm crazy, but this shampoo is magic kind of thing. And then I had a few people say, well, I want to try it. So then I called the girl who sold me the box of shampoo. And I'm like, did you say I could sell this? She was like, yeah. It's like, how do I do that? So she showed me how to get people as my customers. I signed up a few business partners for the same reason as me, get it cheaper. And then just made a few extra hundred dollars a month, you know, just my play money, having a good time, not really taking it seriously, loving the products, but not really working the business until 2020. And then I was like, okay, God promised he'd take care of me. How you going to do that? And he's like, well, you got a direct sales company. Why don't you get serious about it? Why do you think In 2017, you started this thing. So you'd be set up. God set me up with a direct sales company. And so I started learning how to use social media better. I got out of my own way. I'm very much an introvert. And so I don't like meeting new people and talking to people. I've had to learn how to get over that. I'm still not great at it. But I started taking it more seriously and making more money. And Alan, In 2020, my direct sales company totally replaced the income I lost with the Martins. I believe it. And that's when the light bulb went off. And I was like, okay, so when the Martins, if and when the Martins get back on the road, I will have doubled my income. Why wouldn't I do this? And why wouldn't I tell other people about it? It changed our life. And then May got here. And so now I am the one and only person that has to make sure her life is taken care of when I'm gone. And the Martins is not going to do that. But this direct sales company will. It absolutely will. And God knew that in 2017. And another thing he did for me, my company is shampoo and skincare, wellness. And not that you have to have a background in any of those things to work well in this space. But whenever I was in my yucky time and I was not singing on the road, I got a job at the mall at a salon selling hairspray and shampoo just to put food on the table. I had never done retail before, but out of all the places I could have applied, I chose there because I asked them, do I get a discount on hairspray? And they were like, yeah, can I sit? Can I work here? (laughs) I have no education. I have no job history. And so I started selling hairspray and shampoo at this little salon in the mall. And that set me up. It was weird because I didn't want to do it because I was embarrassed because I was a musician. And here I am doing something that is not music. 
people would come in. I live in Nashville. So people would come in to buy their hairspray or get their hair cut. And they would say, aren't you Joyce Martin with the Martins? And I'd be like, yeah, you want to buy some shampoo? (laughs) (laughs) And so I was a little embarrassed about it. And God worked on me there showing me that pride cometh before fall and that I needed to get over myself. And he elevated me in that workplace. I ended up being the manager of that salon. And then they moved me up to the biggest salon of that same company in Nashville. Then I became the teaching manager for all of Central Tennessee for that company because I could teach people how to lead people. And so that many years ago, God was working all those things so that I could work in the direct sales company. It also taught me my lesson of, I don't have to be on a stage to show Jesus to people that Everywhere I am can be ministry. Everywhere I am can be exactly where God wants me to be. It's just crazy. And some of it's maturity, I know. But there are so many people who have maturity on the calendar, but have not matured to the realization that every step you take, the Bible says that our steps are ordered of the Lord, that he goes before us. He's behind us and he goes before us and he prepares a way. And it doesn't matter which way we go. Sometimes we make a wrong turn, but you know what happens when we make a wrong turn? He follows you. Yep. He follows you. And then he prepares a new way. I don't believe that there's a plan A with God. And then if anything other than plan A, then you're you're a goner. I believe God's will and God's providence follows you around. He's proven that in my life because I tried to mess it up yep. and he just kept fixing things for me. Same here. And it's so fun to get to look back and see how faithful God was in these things that, as you said, others might call coincidence that you got a job at a salon when right. a few years later, whenever you were going to start a direct selling company in that industry or in that space right. and all these things. But it's not, it's it's God, you know, we can yeah. see his hand in these things and it's so cool. And we're huge fans, of, as you probably know, of direct sales industry. It's what Nicole and I yeah. thought we do professionally, even though we're in different yeah. companies, we're in the same industry and we're Absolutely. huge fans of that. And as I say to people all the time, build your ark before it rains. None of us ever know when our own 2020, maybe we're not in the music industry, but something, you know, I mean, yes, you just never know. And it's so fun to see what a blessing it has been for you. And, and what's cool about it too, Joyce is your business is sizable enough now that you have impacted so many other lives. What about all the dominoes that have tipped, so to speak, yes. of these other people's lives have been blessed now financially, physically, with their hair, whatever the benefits are, that wouldn't have ever potentially even known about it had you not got involved, right? And I think about that often too. It's so fun, the impact that we can make. I love making people happy. And I am an introvert, but this business, more than the Martins ever did, I don't know how that happened, but has opened my heart up. And I honestly yeah. get up every day and think, who can I help today? Right. Who can I help today? And sometimes it's, you know, help their hair. Sometimes it's help get over a heartache. I don't have any idea who I'm helping today, but I know I'm going to help somebody. Yeah, I love it. I love it. We're both introverts. I didn't realize you were an introvert. I always say I'm an introvert by birth, but an extrovert by choice or by training. <laughs> it depends on how I want to say it. Yeah. What I say is that I'm a loud introvert because everybody's like, they never believe me when I tell them I'm an introvert. But I talk a lot and I talk loud because if I talk 
it doesn't give you time to talk to me. And I don't want you talking to me. Aha. <laughs> uh-huh. Gotcha. So I'm very active. La, 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 la. So that, yeah. So I stay in control. I'm kind of that control freak person. I want to stay in control of the conversation thing. But yeah, but it has changed me. You're right. By choice, I put myself out there and I allow myself to let people in. That was the hardest part for me because I've always been that way. Then when I went through all my trauma, the walls became higher and it was more internalizing everything and just didn't want people in at all. And so gradually that has gotten better. But now, I mean, I can pretty much talk to anybody now. My sister laughs at me because she is the extrovert. People give her energy. She's energized by people. And her joke is always, now, I will ask people questions. Joyce will answer their questions, but I will ask people questions. Yeah. Yeah. I want to ask questions and keep them talking. Okay. So you've had a lot of success, obviously, with the Martins, with your direct sales company, with other areas of life, a happy, thriving marriage and all the things. What would you say has been a key to your success? I don't worry. I've gotten to a place where I just, I don't fret. I have this expectation that everything's going to be all right. And that serves me well because it used to be paralyzing to worry that either what I was doing or what was happening in my life was going to throttle God's blessings or I would never be happy again, all those things. And now, because we all have some really tough stuff. I mean, I deal with tough stuff all the time, right? personally and in my family. And I just don't worry about it. I just kind of lay it down and I just work through it. My dad has a saying that says, let the slick end slide and the rough end drag. And every day when something's rough, I'm like, well, let the slick end slide and the rough end drag. You just got to keep moving. Just keep going. Keep breathing. Keep going. I love it. Did you come to a point, Joyce, where you had this epiphany or aha moment? Or how did you get to that point, I guess, in your life where you could really walk that out? And it's not not that we can't start worrying tomorrow about something, but I mean, that that your lifestyle would be such at this point where you could let the slick in slide and the rough in drag. drag. (laughs) You know what? I got tired of being exhausted with worry all the time. I really did. It was like, when you're worrying, you just want to sleep all the time. You want to put your head in the sand or your head under the covers or whatever. And I didn't want to feel that way anymore. And then when you realize that it's never going to be better than today, you're never promised that tomorrow's going to be better or worse. So you better make the best of today. It might get better tomorrow, but it might get worse. So what are you going to do today? What are you going to do today? And so I look back and see how he has provided and blessed in the past. And I am just crazy enough to believe that he'll keep doing it in the future. I love it. When you think of some of the challenges you've been through to date, you know, and we all know we have other ones ahead of us, of course, if we live long enough. When you look back on those challenges, can you see where that's given you a greater ability to impact others, encourage others some way or other that it's been a huge blessing in your life, those hard things that you've been through? And if so, how? When I've been on the stage all of my life, I get that instant connection with people because I'm saying these words or singing these songs and they're looking back at me. And so you see them feeling those same feelings or you see them finding peace 
in knowing that somebody else has been there and is getting through it. But now that I am on social media a lot, and it's because of my direct sales company that I've opened myself up there, but I tell a lot about my personal story. It's not all about shampoo and skincare. It's about my life. And so now almost on a daily basis, I have strangers that will message me and say, oh my gosh, today when you said, find your happy, find your joy, I needed that today. And so every day I'm reminded that my little life, gosh, Alan, we are such a small little speck on this spectrum of life and the world and the universe. But me, at that moment, something I said made a difference in somebody's life. I mean, once that happens to you one time and you realize that all that crap wasn't in vain and that God can use all of that, then you want it to happen again. I do. That gives me joy. That's how I find my happy. How I find my joy is to talk about how God has used everything in my life, the Bible says, to work all things out for the good of me. Right. And I'm nothing special. So if he'll do it for me, he can do it for anybody. That's right. Speaking of anybody, what would you tell anybody going through the midst of their whatever, their 2020, their divorce, whatever their heart is, maybe it's different than anything you've been through. What word of encouragement would you give to them or advice? You can't fix it. You can't change it. You've got to put your faith and your hope in somebody who knows it all and who knows what's coming around the corner. You have to do that first. And then you've got to learn how to just rest. You just got to rest. And God expects us to be in motion because faith is action. But at some point, you've just got to rest in the fact that somebody has you on his mind and that he knows better than we do what's going to bring us happiness and joy. And so just to rest in that. That's great advice. Would you have any different advice if you could go back in time before all these tidal waves hit you, quote unquote, in life and give yourself some advice back when you were much younger? I don't know. I would almost warn myself because I really did. My life was so jaded, was so perfect. And I was not expecting trouble. No, that sounds weird, but I didn't. I did not expect to walk through some of those doors and maybe just a warning about being prepared. You got to always be expecting God to work out things for your good, but you've also got to know that there's an enemy and there is things that go on in our life that are completely out of our control and you've got to be prepared for that. So yeah, I'd probably warn and say, hey, it ain't always going to be this good, Joyce. You better put on that armor. You better be prepared. Yeah. Yeah. That's good advice. Do you have like a favorite success quote that comes to mind? I don't know if this would actually be like a success quote, but it has served me really well. My mom always says, God is your defender. The Lord is your defender. Mom and dad raised us not to fight for ourselves, or because when I was going through all of my stuff, I mean, there were so many reasons people could talk bad about me. I was giving them plenty of ammunition, but there were also people that were making up stuff and it was very hurtful. And my mom would tell me, the Lord is your defender. 
the Lord is your defender. And I guess, I mean, that would work in all areas of your life, not just in, in personal trauma yeah. or disappointment, but in everything. God is always working in the background. He's always working in the background, even when you can't see it, to bring you to the place where he needs you to be, for you to be at your most peaceful, most joyful, but also to be your most effective. He's always working those things in the background. I love it, Joyce. That's good. When you think about the future, what is something you're currently excited about? Well, I've always thought as from a little girl that I would sing my entire life. I'd die on stage like a lot of these old timers will. Now I have no idea. I don't plan that far ahead. I'm going to sing until I'm not going to sing anymore. I mean, Jonathan and Judy and I talk about it all the time. We don't have an end date and we are having the time of our lives. But I do know that if I could start over and do something besides music, like direct sales, then there's no telling what may be down the line for me. And so I'm just excited to be in a mindset of, okay, today something brand new might fall in my lap. What's going to happen today? Just an excitement. My husband and I have dreams and plans for our life. I have this special, sweet little girl in my house that, I mean, I have a dream deep down in my heart that I don't talk about much and I probably won't even mention it here, but something that's in my heart and in my spirit that I want for her life. And I just believe that it's going to happen. I don't know how I'm going to get there financially or geographically, all the things that I'm not a planner. I'm not a planner. And so, but I can see it in my heart's eyes. These things come into pass. And so I just get this excitement because God's going to have to do something because I can't do it. So I've got this anticipation of something new's coming, something new's coming. That's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I have no idea. I quit trying to second guess God because he always does it weird. I say that all the time. God is so weird because I would have never, as a little girl, most of the things in my life, I would have never picked for me. I was going to be a professor. I wanted to be an English professor in college. That was my plan. Yeah. That's what I wanted to do is teach. And I love the English language. And so I wanted to do that. And then he put music and then direct sales and then this special baby girl and all these things that have happened, all have been surprises, nothing that I had planned for myself. So no telling what we'll talk about next year. Alan. I can relate. I was going to be a police <laughs> officer and was for a few years. That's funny. Wow. Yeah. yeah. When you think about it that way, and then you think about the future, and you're just surrendered to him and excited for new growth and new chances and new lessons learned and opportunities. It is exciting. The future is very exciting. What would you say is one habit that's helped you become successful? I'm sure our listeners would appreciate hearing any tips you have there. I think anyone who considers themselves a teacher would consider themselves a good student. I am an excellent student. I am constantly trying to learn new things. I do love to read. I don't read like I used to. That's one of my things that I want to get done this year is read more books because I used to do a lot more of that. But I listen to podcasts. I listen to teachers and trainings, not just in direct sales, but and I watch other singers. I'm still trying to be a better singer. I'm 55 years old. I think I'm singing better now than I ever have in my life, but it's because I work at it. So I work at making myself better literally on a daily basis from the inside out. And so, yeah, I am a good 
student. And I think that's what drives my success. Huge, huge. And so for our listeners, yeah, that's one common thing I've seen in everyone that I've ever met that's been greatly successful like yourself is always learning, a lifelong student, a lifelong learner. That's a great advice. And you mentioned books and podcasts and all the ways, all the ways we can gain information and knowledge. Yeah. Just reminded me, is there a book that you would recommend to the Life's Hard Succeed Anyway audience? You know what? I'm terrible at remembering titles of books. Now, I am a huge Ed Milet fan, like enormous Ed Milet fan. So I listen to his stuff. His is a book that I want to read, The um, Power of One More. I mean, I've heard him talk about that with just him talking about it and him having guests on that talk about it, which is kind of my motto. Every day I want to do one more. I want to be one degree better, one more click just to make my life better and other people's life better. That's one book that I'm planning on reading that I would recommend because I love that thought process. And oddly enough, I get encouragement from reading Facebook posts from my friends, especially now. I don't keep a lot of negative people around. Right. I kind of weed them out and I will hide them so that I don't see it and love them but I don't want it on my timeline. But I have a lot of people who say they have those redemptive moments, those things that they talk about. I love seeing just everyday people. They don't have a whole book written, but every day they may say something that encourages me and teaches me something. I love learning from just everyday people. I love that, Joyce. And I also love the point you just brought out about on social media, And I've shared that with several people who, for whatever reason, think everything on social media is negative. I said, the algorithm is set up to give you what you want. And they're going to feed you what you tell it you like by what you read, what you spend time looking at, by what you don't unfollow or unhide. And so I do love that, that for the most part, we can keep a very positive association, a very positive feed in our social media if we're intentional about it, which it sounds like you are. And and that's very intentional. I ain't got time for the negative. No, no absolutely no. not. What would you say is the best piece of advice you've ever received? One of the best piece of advice you've ever received, I should best say. Best piece of advice I've ever received. The one that my mom, the Lord being my defender, is one of the best things. Yeah, not sure how it gets much better than that. What is the best way for our listeners to connect with you, follow along on your journey, website, social media, whatever you might want to share with them? If you want to follow me personally, It's Joyce Sanders on Facebook and on Instagram. And then the Martins, if you want to know more about my little trio with my family, it's martinsonline.com is our website. We also have social media as well. You can find them on my page. And then my direct sales company, I sell shampoo and skincare and wellness. And that is Monate. And it is amazing. But you can reach me on my socials and I can just private message me. And we can talk about it. But yeah, I'm everywhere. Love it. Love it. Hey, any closing comment you might want to share with our listeners on the way out? I am so grateful for one more place here at your house to be able to share my story, because that's one of the ways that I stay healthy is to remind myself that all that stuff that I walked through was not in vain. God was not surprised by it. And he was not terrified by it, but he took it all and made it good. And I get to say that one more time with a whole different group of people that you gave me the opportunity to talk to. So I'm expecting good things. 
I'm expecting good things for everybody. And here's my story to hang on. It might not get better, but it's going to be all right. Joyce, that's a great word to go out on. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy life to share with me and all of our listeners. This has been amazing. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Bye. If you love this podcast, grab some of Alan's free resources on his website at alanblain.com, spelled A-L-L-A-N-B-L-A-I-N.com. You can also find links to Alan's Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok there in his contact page. Lastly, if you can leave a five-star review for us on your favorite podcast app, that will get these messages out to more people and it will really mean the world to us. Thanks in advance and make it a great day.